Welcome to Behind the Case, an ACG Case Reports Journal podcast, brought to you by the American College of Gastroenterology. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Behind the Case podcast. I'm Roberto Simons Linares, Editor-in-Chief of the ACG Case Reports Journal and a GI Fellow at the Cleveland Clinic. I would like to welcome our guest today, Dr. Mohamed Alomari, who is the author of a noteworthy article published in our journal. He is currently a chief resident at the East Tennessee State University. Mohamed, welcome and thank you for joining us. Thanks, Roberto. I'm very excited to be here. So Mohamed's article is entitled Successful Treatment of Extensive Esophageal Squamous Papillomatosis with Cryotherapy. So Mohamed, could you please summarize the case for the audience? So our case features the presentation of a 61-year-old gentleman who presented for endoscopic treatment for esophageal sequamous papillomatosis detected during endoscopic evaluation for heartburn. So given the potential risk of malignant transformation, a decision was made to proceed with a spray cryoablation, requiring a total of three sessions of ablative therapy that the patient tolerated very well. So the histopathological assessment confirmed the diagnosis and the specimens tested negative for all low and high-risk human papillomavirus subtypes and on further follow-up endoscopies, which revealed complete resolution of the condition. That's a great summary. So for the audience, Mohammed, what is esophageal squamous papillomatosis? So answering your question, Roberto, I just want to make a distinction between the solitary sequamous papillomas, which are rare fleshy finger-like projections found incidentally during an upper endoscopic examination that are typically benign and can be easily treated if symptomatic, maybe with a forceps, cautery, or even snare polypectomy. While esophageal sequamous papillomatosis, like in our case, is an exceedingly rare carpet-like lesion with multiple sessile verrucous polyps that harbors a significant risk for esophageal cancer and is typically difficult to manage. So the etiology of esophageal sequamous papillomatosis remains unclear, although roles of chronic mucosal irritation and virus infection have been proposed. Prolonged chemical and mechanical mucosal irritation may generate a severe damage repair response followed by hyperregeneration. This hypothesis seems supported by the higher prevalence of reflux disease and esophageal dilation, prolonged nasogastric intubation among patients with esophageal sequamous papillomatosis. Now, Mohammed, what is the typical presentation of this uh, subset of patients? Surprisingly, those patients are typically asymptomatic, mm-hmm. and they get diagnosed incidentally during an upper endoscopy for another indication. However, less than a third of the reported cases of esophageal sequamous papillomatosis presented with either heartburn and or dysphagia. In this case, our patient presented with long-standing heartburn despite the optimal medical therapy. So most of them asymptomatic then? Yes. Now, what is the differential diagnosis if you see these carpet-like lesions, you know, and you're suspecting this disease, but what should you consider as differential diagnosis? I would say esophageal cancer should be the most important and feared differential diagnosis as it may exhibit a nodular carpet-like appearance indistinguishable from esophageal sequamous papillomatosis. Other differential diagnoses include severe inflammatory polyps arising from the underlying Peritz esophagus, maybe. So histopathological confirmation is crucial in establishing the diagnosis and ruling out malignancy and or dysplasia in those patients. Now you mentioned histology. So how is it usually diagnosed and what's the histology or pathology shows? 
So diagnosis requires a combination of cross and microscopic evaluation of these lesions. Mm -hmm. The endoscopic examination may demonstrate the bizarre villous alterations of the mucosa covering the esophageal human, hosting multiple Veruca sessile polyps. This could be extensive and hemicircumferential as in our case. Histologically, the, they appear as a finger-like projections of hyperplastic sequamous epithelium covering a vascular connective tissue core. Now, how is this usually managed and uh, how do you guys manage your case? Unfortunately, there is no widely accepted treatment approach for esophageal sequence papillomatosis. For example, partial esophagectomy was performed in some reported cases, which mm -hmm. is technically challenging and associated with significant morbidity and mortality. Other reported therapeutic options included submucosal endoscopic resection, laser removal, and rate of frequency ablation with variable rates of failure and recurrence, and considerable complication rates, namely bleeding, perforation, and maybe mucosal scarring. In your case, so tell us how did you manage this patient? What was the approach? In our case, we used cryotherapy ablation. I just want to briefly talk about cryotherapy. It's basically more of a, the use of extreme cold thermal injury to induce a cell necrosis through cycles of controlled local freezing and thawing of the tissues. What is interesting about cryotherapy that it does not only destroy cells by direct thermal injury, but it also has a late effect by upregulating apoptosis in the treated cells. Additionally, because collagen and elastin fibers are less sensitive to the effects of cryotherapy than are the epithelial cells, the tissue structure remains intact, reducing the risk of perforation. Currently, we have two cryotherapy systems approved by the FDA to be used in GI endoscopy. Currently, there are two cryotherapy systems developed for GI endoscopy use that have been cleared by the FDA in the United States, mainly for the treatment of barrett esophagus and adenocarcinoma of the esophagus. One uses a pressurized liquefied gas spray as the cryogen, which is called the true freeze system, similar to what we use in our case. Whereas the other one uses a cryogenic balloon that requires direct contact with the target tissue. I would say that the spray cryotherapy system remains the most widely utilized modality of therapeutic cryotherapy since it was first introduced in 2005. So knowing that a human biloma virus induced papillomas have been successfully and safely treated with cryotherapy by dermatologists and gynecologists for decades, we asked ourselves, why don't we just use it to treat esophageal sequence papillomatosis, which has a fairly similar macroscopic and microscopic architecture. And that's why we use the cryotherapy in our patients. In your case, great. Now, in summary, what do you think was the most challenging part of your case? I would say uncertainty. Since the optimal management of these lesions has not been well established, it was really difficult to predict if cryotherapy is going to work or not. That also made it challenging to establish patient trust to undergo a repeated endoscopic procedure without knowing the success rates and potential outcomes. Eventually, that turned out to be the most rewarding part of this case to successfully treat a difficult condition besides laying grounds for a promising therapeutic modality all out of uncertainty. And now, Mohammed, could you summarize the take-home points of your case for the audience, please? Absolutely. We want to highlight that it is really important to know, unlike solitary papillomas, esophageal sequence papillomatosis is an extremely rare condition that carries a high risk of malignant transformation. So early detection and prompt management are crucial. Another thing we want also to emphasize that spray cryotherapy is a safe 
easy to do, and effective treatment modality for esophageal sequence fibromatosis. It is associated with far less side effects and scarring than the previously reported invasive treatment options. Moreover, patients with larger polypoid lesions might require stage therapy delivered over repeated sessions as in our patients. Great, and I always like to ask a non-medical question to our guests to get to know you a little better. Sure, so, sure. Mohamed, tell us something about you that most people don't know. Uh, well, I hope the audience won't judge me. I really enjoy watching cartoon. <laughs> yes, and Tom and Jerry is my best series. <laughs> Luckily enough, my wife is also a big fan of cartoon and anime as well. And we have a lovely two-year-old daughter who is clearly taking advantage of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you uh, again, Mohammed, for being here. And with that, uh, we finalize this episode of Behind the Case. Thank you again, Mohammed, for joining us. And thank you so much to the audience for listening. Stay tuned and until next episode.